You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present our program, Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Showman. Hi, this is Roy Showman, and welcome once again to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around. That celebrates the completion, the fulfillment, the transformation of Judaism into its fulfilled form in the Catholic Church and its sacraments, with Judaism being the system of salvation, so to speak, or the part of the system of salvation that God introduced to span the time until the incarnation of the Son of uh, the Second Person of the Most Holy Trinity as a man and the Catholic Church being the system of salvation that God instituted to take the fruits of that incarnation, passion, and death, and spread them throughout the entire world through faith in Jesus and the sacraments of the Catholic Church. So since the show is about this um, a unity or a transformation or juncture between Judaism and Catholicism, I want to talk today about an interesting little aspect of the liturgical calendars of both Judaism and Catholicism that happened this past week, which is that on Wednesday of this past week, we had Yom Kippur, which is the most solemn fast day, penitential day of the Jewish calendar. It's the day when the days of the temple, it's the one day of the year when the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, the only day he would enter the Holy of Holies, to make sacrifice, to offer sacrifice for the remission of sins of the entire Jewish nation. And even today, it's the most solemn day of the Jewish liturgical year. We don't have a temple. Jews don't have the temple anymore for animal sacrifice. But instead, they uh, they uh, perform a day of a very quite strict fast, actually. Uh, and the day is dedicated to fasting and penitential prayer. And, uh, and for the remission of the sins, of, again, of the Jewish nation, of the, all of the Jewish people. And Thursday of this week, on the Catholic calendar, we had the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Now, what do these two have to do with each other? Well, we know from um, Our Lady of Fatima, when she spoke to Sister Lucia, she told her, that wars are punishments for the sins of the world. And she told Sister Lucia that World War I, which was currently underway, was going to end soon. But if man did not repent, it would be followed by an even worse war um, in the time of Pius XI. And, of course, that rather somber prophecy was fulfilled with World War II. As Our Lady said uh, in, in 1917 to Lucia, this war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the reign of Pius XI. Um, a, a very uh, saintly Catholic priest, it's uh, very much in the realm of private revelation, but a uh, Pierre Lamy, who was very well known for his sanctity, said that the, that the Blessed Virgin Mary had told him that the sins which had uh, lain behind the need for World War I and World War II were blasphemy, the desecration of marriage, and Sunday labor. Excuse me, let me correct that, that the sins that lay behind World War I, that World War I was a punishment specifically for blasphemy, the desecration of marriage, and Sunday labor. And interestingly, Our Lady of La Salette, when she told the children 
that a great suffering was going to befall the people if they didn't repent. This was now in um, 1846. She named the uh, blasphemy and Sunday labor as the things that, quote, made the arm of her son so heavy that she could no longer restrain it from falling, close quote. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because if we stop and think about the sins of uh, of blasphemy and the desecration of marriage and Sunday labor, which were so offensive in the beginning of the 19th, of, excuse me, in the beginning of the 20th century leading up to World War One, or in the first half of the 20th century in between World War One and World War Two. Unfortunately, they don't hold a candle to the extensiveness, the ubiquity, and the severity of those sins now. And if we add the sin that Our Lady apparently told Père Lamy was instrumental, the desecration of marriage, again, uh, we've never seen the desecration of marriage in the past like we have in the last uh, decade. So it's a very good time to pray to pray to God in reparation for the sins of the entire world, essentially. So as Yom Kippur on Wednesday was the day when the Jews prayed for the remission of the sins of the Jewish nation to avert the severe decree that God could justly have befallen the Jewish nation, I think it's incumbent on us to pray fervently for the remission of the sins, for the forgiveness of the sins, that injustice could result in a very severe chastisement on the world at large. And since uh, Our Lady of Fatima said that wars are a punishment for the sins of the world, it would be very reasonable to see the sins of the world now as justifying, justifying a chastisement in the form of war. And without getting too much into the daily news, um, there has been uh, talk over the last week or two about the um, how delicate the situation is in Syria, because basically the United States is supporting the rebels, so to, so-called rebels, and Russia is supporting the uh, Assad regime. And Russia has already said that if the United States bombs the um, government emplacements in Syria, they will shoot down the planes. They won't allow those in, in place in those uh, military installations to be bombed. And yet the United States is still threatening to do so. So I suppose there's never a month or there's certainly never a year where there isn't some situation somewhere in the world that one could imagine might lead to an extensive war. But um, it's been a long time since the United States and Russia have been sort of uh, on a hair trigger uh, with respect to each other in a situation which could actually become very uh, cataclysmic. So so that was my introduction to the show uh, to kind of unify the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima with the uh, feast or the fast day of Yom Kippur, which this year perhaps providentially fell immediately adjacent to each other. So with that, let me go into a um, dis- a little bit of a discussion of Yom Kippur. And my intention today, again, in the spirit of uh, praying for God's mercy for the world, because that's what both of these 
both of these uh, feast days are essentially about. Yom Kippur is all about praying for God's mercy so that his just punishment doesn't befall the world. And the message of Our Lady of Fatima is praying for God's mercy that the just punishment doesn't befall the world, as well as uh, for conversion, so that the sins that offend God so badly are lessened. So let me very briefly, uh, I think that many of our listeners are already aware of this. Certainly I've, I've given other, in other years, uh, spent the show around Yom Kippur talking about Yom Kippur. But I'll just recap very briefly. It is the considered the holiest day of the Jewish year. It's the culmination of the days of repentance. It's the day when the book of life is sealed for the coming year. The underlying theology being that the book of life, the the book in which God records what is going, the the book in which God records the judgment for every human being that basically he reviews their behavior and their sinfulness and and their meritorious acts and he records in the book of life what is going to befall them in the coming year whether it'll be a year of of uh, happiness and of good fortune or whether it'll be the year in which they die or a year of chastisement or punishment or whatever that book of life is opened on Rosh Hashanah which is the Jewish New Year, which falls 10 days before Yom Kippur, and then that sentence, which is written in the Book of Life, is sealed. The Book of Life is closed and sealed on Yom Kippur, so the prayer of Yom Kippur is the last chance to have God avert the severe decree. So um, with that uh, brief introduction, let me uh, introduce the uh, prayer, which uh, introduces, well, let me first introduce a prayer actually before the prayer that introduces Yom Kippur, a prayer that is associated with the morning before Yom Kippur. And it is a prayer which is associated with a ceremony, which is a little bit of a holdover from the days of the animal sacrifice in the temple. It has to do with actually the ritual slaughtering of a chicken nowadays. But let me read the prayer associated with it because it's a very beautiful plea for God's mercy. Uh, so this is the eve of Yom Kippur Kaparot prayer. Children of man who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, bound in misery and chains of iron, he will bring them out of darkness and the shadow of death and will sunder their bonds. Foolish sinners afflicted because of their sinful ways and their wrongdoings, their soul loathes all food and they reach the gates of death. They cry out to the Lord in their distress. He saves them from their afflictions. He sends forth his word and heals them. He delivers them from their graves. Let them thank the Lord for his kindness and proclaim his wonders to the children of man. If there be for a man even one interceding angel out of a thousand accusers to speak of his uprightness in his behalf, then he will be gracious to him and say, Redeem him from going down to the grave. I have found expiation for him. So that is sort of a preparatory um, preparatory prayer, and then in the uh, first the first synagogue service of Yom Kippur that occurs the eve before Yom Kippur is known as the Kol Nidre service, and it's called the Kol Nidre service because its centerpiece is the Kol Nidre prayer, which I will first read the text of the prayer, and then I will play a very uh, plaintive rendition by a Jewish cantor of the uh, prayer actually being prayed. Uh, 
So here's the, the, the content, the idea of the Kol Nidre prayer is over the course of the year, we not only may have offended God, did offend God in innumerable sinful ways, but we also might have made promises to God that we are did not keep, basically, or made ongoing promises that we're not in a position to keep. And therefore, the Kol Nidre prayer, Kol Nidre meaning all vows, annuls these vows that we made before God that we were unable or failed to keep. The text says the following, All vows, prohibitions, oaths, consecrations, restrictions, interdictions, or any other equivalent expressions of vows, which I may vow, swear, dedicate for sacred use, or which I may prescribe for myself or for others from this Yom Kippur until the next Yom Kippur, which comes to us for good. From now we regret them all. All shall be hereby absolved, remitted, canceled, declared null and void, not in force or in effect. Let our vows not be considered vows. Let our self-imposed prohibitions not be considered prohibitions. And let our oaths not be considered oaths. And may the entire congregation of the children of Israel, as well as the proselyte who dwells among them, be forgiven for all the people acted unwittingly. Pardon, I beseech you, the wrongdoing of this people in keeping with the greatness of your kindness. And as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now, and there it is stated, and the Lord said, I have pardoned in accordance with your words. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to meet this season. And now with that, let me switch to a cantor chanting the prayer.
that I, I did cut it off um, part way through in the interest of um, going on with the show but um, I hope that you heard in that the beautiful combination of um, a mournful sadness over the sin um, and but at the same time an underlying current of hope of hope in God's mercy of confidence in God's mercy and I didn't mention this at the outset of the show but that was another reason I wanted to do the show now is because, of course, we're coming to the end of the year of mercy and this confluence, this coming together of Yom Kippur, of the Feast of Our Lady of, of uh, Fatima, and of the year of mercy seems to be such a, a perfect, a perfect uh, illustration of the centrality of the need to pray for divine mercy, for mercy to pour over the world rather than uh, the frankly the the justice which is um the the punishment which justice would dictate so let me go back to the um jewish prayers for yom kippur and i'll just read um probably for about three or four minutes the yom kippur service i will add it lasts all day it's a very very long service and of course since it's a strict fast no eating or drinking there is no need for any interruption so in fact it starts friday evening for a few hours and then excuse me the evening before for a few hours and then all day from nine o'clock in the morning until actually stars start to come out with a short break in the early afternoon so there's no shortage of prayer there's a lot of repetition in the prayer but i'm just going to read some passages of the prayer to 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 show the spirit of this prayer for repentance and also this, the, the Jewish love of God and confidence in God in its, um, more exalted form. So, uh, just going back to the prayers from Yom Kippur. Beloved of my soul, merciful Father, draw your servant to your will. Your servant will run as swiftly as a deer. You will bow before your splendor. Your acts of affection will be sweeter than honeycomb and every pleasant taste. Glorious, resplendent one, light of the world, my soul is lovesick for you. I beseech you, O God, pray heal it by showing it the sweetness of your splendor. Then it will be strengthened and healed and will experience everlasting joy. O pious one, may your mercy be aroused and have compassion upon your beloved child. For it is long that I have been yearning to behold the glory of your majesty, these my heart desires, so have pity and do not conceal yourself. 
Reveal yourself, my beloved, and spread over me the shelter of your peace. Let the earth be illumined by your glory. We will rejoice and exult in you. Hasten, beloved, for the time has come, and be gracious unto us as in days of yore. And as I read these those prayers, let me just remind myself and remind you how these prayers themselves call out for we who know that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah to make himself known to the Jewish people. They call out for heartfelt, charitable prayer for Jews to come to know their own Messiah, who we know as Jesus, because these prayers are absolutely saturated with love of God, with yearning for God, for wanting to be in his presence and know his peace. And we know how that can be done nowadays. We know where the presence of God is to be found. We know how the peace of God is to be found. And it's to be found through the Messiah that these Jews are longing for, but don't yet recognize as Jesus. So um, that's, again, uh, that's sort of the undercurrent, again, of the purpose of this show. Um, how can one read these prayers and not have one's heart moved with uh, pity, I must say, pity for the absence of the knowledge, the direct knowledge, the direct presence of the Jewish Messiah within Judaism as we have him in the Catholic Church, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most blessed sacrament, which is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, who is the Jewish Messiah. So let me go on with the prayers from uh, Yom Kippur. Exalted and hallowed be his great name throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. May he has established his kingship, bring forth his redemption, and hasten the coming of his Messiah in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon and say, Amen. You see, this is a prayer for to hasten the coming of the Messiah. This is the Jewish longing for Jesus. So let us, I'm going to repeat that prayer, but let us, let us pray this prayer, uh, reversing it 180 degrees, and not a prayer to hasten the coming of the Messiah, who has in fact come, but to hasten the recognition of the Messiah on the part of those who actually brought the Messiah to the rest of the world, that is the Jewish people. So I'm just going to repeat that paragraph I read and then go on. Exalted and hallowed be his great name throughout the world which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingship, bring forth his redemption, and hasten the coming of his Messiah in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon and say, Amen. May his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified, exalted and extolled, Honored, adored, and lauded be the name of the Holy One, blessed be He, beyond all the blessings, hymns, praises, and consolations that are uttered in the world, and say, Amen. Now, um, we are now going on to another part of the Yom Kippur service, which is the, uh, I guess you could say, the Jewish version of the Confidior, the um, confession of sins, which in, in Judaism is a corporate confession of sins. That is, each Jew simultaneously confesses his own sin and the sins of the rest of the Jewish people. And so the, I'll, I'll read um, just the beginning of the prayer. 
in English, and then I will turn to another recording of a uh, another cantor uh, chanting the this prayer in um, in Hebrew in a synagogue service. So, uh, as I said, this is a, a prayer of, of contrition. It's the confidiors, the I confess. So I will read some of the text. We have ten, we have transgressed. We have acted perfidiously. We have robbed. We have slandered. We have acted perversely and wickedly. We have willfully sinned. We have done violence. We have imputed falsely. We have given evil, evil counsel. We have lied. We have scoffed. We have rebelled. We have provoked. We have been disobedient. We have committed iniquity. We have wantonly transgressed. We have oppressed. We have been obstinate. We have committed evil. We have acted perniciously. We have acted abominably. We have gone astray. We have led others astray. I'll just interject and say this wouldn't be a bad structure to keep in mind in preparing for confession. Anyway, I will continue. We have strayed from your good precepts and ordinances, and it has not profited us. Indeed, you are just in all that has come upon us, for you have acted truthfully, and it is we who have acted wickedly. What shall we say to you who dwells on high? What shall we relate to you who abides in the heavens? You surely know all the hidden and the revealed things. You know the mysteries of the universe and the hidden secrets of every being. You search all our inmost thoughts and probe our mind and heart. Nothing is hidden from you. Nothing is concealed from your sight. And so may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our, forth- of our fathers, to have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins, grant us atonement for all our iniquities, and forgive and pardon us for all our transgressions. For the sin which we have committed before you under duress or willingly, and for the sin which we have committed before you by hard-heartedness, for the sin which we have committed before you inadvertently, and for the sin which we have committed before you with an utterance of the lips, for the sin which we have committed before you with immorality, and for the sin which we have committed before you openly or secretly, for the sin which we have committed before you with knowledge and with deceit, and for the sin which we have committed before you through speech. For all these, God of pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. Now, this goes through about uh, probably at least a 100 of these recitations of sins. And um, rather than go through them now in the text, let me turn to the cantor chanting this prayer. Uh, most of the lines begin with, with al-chet, which means for the sin. So each of those lines that begins with al-chet is a line, for instance, for the sin which we have committed before you by disrespect for parents and for the sin which we have committed before you by desecration of the divine name. Each of these lines in the prayer in the translation begin with for the sin, for the sin, for the sin. And in the Hebrew, which you're about to hear chanted, that is al-chet. So now let me turn to the cantor chanting this. Everybody, they say, they don't mean so. 
that you enjoyed that too 
um, incredibly beautiful prayer of contrition uh, chanted from the Yom Kippur service. Um, I um, have been a little bit remiss. Uh, you might be wondering what station you're listening to or what show you're listening to um, if you turned in tuned into Radio Maria and you're hearing these these uh, Hebrew prayers sung. This is Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria. I'm the host, Roy Shoman, and I have been spending this show talking largely about Yom Kippur, which the Jewish community just celebrated last week, and going through the prayers of Yom Kippur. And they are uh, prayers for the forgiveness of sins and the turning away of God's wrath uh, for the sins of the Jewish people and the sins of all the people in the world. And I think that's a very good theme for us to be keeping in mind in this very uh, critical moment of history when the sins of the world must be... Uh, frankly, I'm afraid, crying out for vengeance. So, and we're in the divine year of divine mercy, as Pope Francis has um, announced. And so it's all the more reason to be praying for this to be a year of unprecedented mercy to avert um, the kind of chastisement which the sins of our society and our culture, as well as ourselves, may have deserved. So let me uh, go back to the prayer we just heard, sung, and read some more lines from it in English, because um, I think there's a lot we could learn from it as Catholics of sins which we might want to be aware to take to confession. So let me read some of the sins that have just been confessed in this corporate confession of the Al-Khat that we heard. For the sin which we have committed before you by deceiving a fellow man, and for the sin which we have committed before you by improper thoughts, for the sin which we have committed before you by a lewd gathering, and for the sin which we have committed before you by insincere confession, for the sin which we have committed before you by using coercion, and for the sin which we have committed before you intentionally or unintentionally, for the sin which we have committed before you by impurity of speech, and for the sin which we have committed before you by foolish talk, for the sin which we have committed before you with evil inclination, and for the sin which we have committed before you knowingly or unknowingly, for all these, God of pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. For the sin which we have committed before you by false denial and lying, and for the sin which we have committed before you by bribe-taking or bribe-giving, for the sin which we have committed before you by scoffing, and for the sin which we have committed before you by evil talk about another, for the sin which we have committed before you in business dealings, and for the sin which we have committed before you by eating and drinking, for the sin which we have committed before you by the prattle of our lips, and for the sin which we have committed before you by glance of the eye, for the sin which we have committed before you with proud looks, and for the sin which we have committed before you with impudence. For all these, God of pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. I think this would be very well worthwhile to have with one. Uh, when I think of, um, frankly, I'll just make this in the first person about myself, you know, when I think of going to confession and when I think of uh, trying to review what sins I might have, to confess, this is not a bad list because these are, um, I mean, who of us 
does not sin by prattle of the lips? Who of us does not sin by glances of the eye? Who of us does not sin by proud looks? Um, who of us does not sin, maybe even in business dealings, and so forth and so on, by scoffing, um, by stubbornness, by running to do evil, by tail-bearing, by passing judgment, by casting off the yoke of heaven, by scheming against a fellow man, by having a begrudging eye. I mean, just think of all the times, all the times one might have had a begrudging eye, and it never even occurs to one to bring that to confession. But anyway, um, I'm not preaching at you. I'm uh, preaching at myself, and I'm just sobered sobered by the depth of uh, self-awareness and consciousness that are reflected in these Yom Kippur prayers for forgiveness. Now, let me move to a um, happier note, so to speak, because Yom Kippur is not actually overwhelmingly sorrowful, but it's joyful, because just like confession, although confession, of course, is sacramentally real, whereas Yom Kippur is a liturgy, which I hope that God respects, but it's only a liturgy. But in any case, just like just like confession, confession is not an unhappy event to go to confession, right? It might be painful to confess one's sins, but it's really a joyful event because one is forgiven one's sins. And in the case of confession, one knows when the priest pronounces the words of absolution that one's sins have been forgiven. So it's actually an occasion of great joy. And similarly, Yom Kippur is actually a festival of great joy because although the Jewish people kind of dwell in their sins, they recount their sins, they feel contrition for their sins, they also rejoice in the loving, merciful God who they are confident um, will forgive them their sins. So let me switch to that happier happier note, so to speak, of the confidence in the forgiveness of the sins on Yom Kippur. So going back to the uh, Yom Kippur liturgy, I'll just read further on. For transgressing positive, well, let me um, skip that part. Um, For transgressing positive and prohibitory commands, um, those of which we are aware and those of which we are not aware, those of which we are aware, we have already declared them before you and confessed them to you. And those of which we are not aware, before you they are revealed and known, as it is stated, the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things are for us and for our children forever. For you are the pardoner of Israel and the forgiver of the tribes in every generation. And aside from you, we have no king who forgives and pardons. My God, before I was created, I was not worthy to be created. And now that I have been created, it is as if I had not been created. I am dust in my life, how much more so in my death. Indeed, before you, I am like a vessel filled with shame and disgrace. May it be your will, Lord my God and God of my fathers, that I shall sin no more and the sins which I have committed before you, erase them in your abounding mercy, but not through suffering or severe illness. O oh, my God, Guard my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking guile. Let my soul be silent to those who curse me. Let my soul be as dust to all. Open my heart to your law and let my soul eagerly pursue your commandments. 
As for all who plot evil against me, hasten to annul their counsel and frustrate their design. Let them be as chaff before the wind, but the angel of the Lord thrust them away. That your beloved ones may be delivered, help with your right hand and answer me. Do it for the sake of your name. Do it for the sake of your right hand. Do it for the sake of your law. Do it for the sake of your holiness. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable before you, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He who makes peace in his heavens, may he make peace for us and for all Israel. Amen. May it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, that the temple be speedily rebuilt in our days and grant us our portion in your Torah. Amen. Uh, and, of course, we know as Catholics that the temple has been rebuilt, that the temple in stone was only a picture in advance of the true temple of God, which is our hearts with the indwelling most holy trinity, which is made available to us through Jesus and through the sacraments. So, again, when the Jews are earnestly praying, may the temple be rebuilt in our days, let us transform that prayer into its slightly more correct form that may the Jews come to know and dwell in the rebuilt temple that Jesus said that he was going to rebuild in three days, which is the indwelling Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our hearts through the sacraments of the church. Um, the, um, so let me, let me go to a closing uh, joyful prayer, a celebration of God's mercy and of his forgiveness, and uh, it will lead into a sung prayer, the Avinu Malkenu, which may actually be the close of the show, depending on, on when we get to it. So let me read this closing part of the Yom Kippur service. Merciful God is your name. Gracious God is your name. Your name is called upon us, Lord Act for the sake of your name. Act for the sake of your truth. Act for the sake of your covenant. Act for the sake of your greatness and glory. Act for the sake of your law. Act for the sake of your majesty. Act for the sake of your temple. Act for the sake of your remembrance. Act for the sake of your kindness. Act for the sake of your goodness. Act for the sake of your oneness. Act for the sake of your honor. Act for the sake of your teaching. Act for the sake of your kingship. Act for the sake of your eternity. Act for the sake of your might. Act for the sake of your magnificence. Act for the sake of your righteousness. Act for the sake of your holiness. Act for the sake of your abounding mercy. Act for the sake of your divine presence. Act for the sake of your praise. Act for the sake of your beloved who rests in the dust. Act for the sake of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This reminds me a little bit I remember that uh, Father Benedict Rochelle, who's passed away, used to say that when he comes before the judgment seat of God, his only claim for forgiveness and salvation will be essentially saying to God, remember your mercy, God, for the glory of your mercy, forgive me. He won't point to any of his good, good deeds, any of his virtuous acts, any of his penances, and of course... I would imagine that most of us fall far short of the measure of Father Benedict Rochelle, but all he had to lean on and to call on before the judgment of God was 
appeal to God's mercy itself, which I think you see beautifully reflected in this prayer. So let me continue. Act for the sake of Moses and Aaron. Act for the sake of David and Solomon. Act for the sake of Jerusalem, your holy city. Act for the sake of Zion, the abode of your glory. Act for the sake of your sanctuary. Act for the sake of your altar. Act for the sake of those who are slain for your holy name. How often do we as Catholics, by the way, appeal to the merits of the martyrs, the merits of the saints, the treasure of merits laid up for us in the communion of saints for our own forgiveness. And this is what the Jews are doing here, right? Act for the sake of those who are slain for your holy name. Act for the sake of those who are slaughtered for your oneness. Act for the sake of those who went through fire and water for the sanctification of your name. Act for the sake of the sucklings who have not sinned. Act for the sake of babes who have not transgressed. Act for your own sake, if not for ours. Act for your own sake and deliver us. Answer us, Lord. Answer us, our God. Answer us, our Father. Answer us, our Creator. Answer us, our Deliverer. Answer us, you who seeks us. Answer us, faithful God. Answer us. Answer us, mighty and kind one. Answer us, pure and upright one. Answer us, living and eternal one. Answer us. Answer us, you who are do good, who, who are good and does good. Answer us. You who knows our nature, answer us. You who suppresses anger, answer us. You who are garbed in righteousness, answer us. Answer us, Supreme King of Kings, answer us. Answer us, you who are close to those who call on you, answer us, you who are hard to anger, answer us, you who are easy to placate, answer us, you who are merciful and gracious, answer us. So again, we see the appeal is not to our merits, not to our uh, contrition for our sins even, but our appeal ultimately is simply to God's goodness for the sake of his goodness, to his mercy for the sake of his mercy. May his forgiveness of us be further glorification of God's own mercy and let us appeal to his infinite mercy and his infinite love for us to bring about our forgiveness and not to anything which we can contribute because as I, I remember reading in the writing of a, a Carthusian saint, all that we can contribute that comes from us is our sin. Everything good that we have to contribute is already a gift from God. So really, we have nothing to appeal to except his mercy, his mercifulness, his graciousness, and his love for us. So continuing with the Jewish prayer, answer us, you who hearkens to the destitute. Answer us, you who support the sincere ones. Answer us, mighty one of Jacob. Answer us, strength of our matriarchs. Answer us, father of orphans. Answer us, judge of widows. Answer us. May the merciful one who answers the poor answer us. May the merciful one who answers the brokenhearted answer us. May the merciful one who answers the humble of of spirit answer us. Merciful one, answer us. Merciful one, have pity. Merciful one, redeem us. Merciful one, deliver us. Merciful one, have compassion on us. Now, speedily, and very soon. And now the the Yom Kippur service goes into the song, the Avinu Malkenu, which uh, Avinu Malkenu means our father, our king. And I will read a few verses of it and then go again to a cantor chanting it. 
Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we have sinned before you. Our Father, our King, we have no king but you. Our Father, our King, act benevolently with us for the sake of your name. Our Father, our King, renew us for a good year. Our Father, our King, remove us from all harsh decrees. Our Father, our King, annul the intentions of our enemies. Our Father, our King, foil the plans of our foes. Our Father, our King, wipe out every oppressor and adversary from us. Our Father, our King, withhold the plague from your inheritance. Our Father, our King, pardon and forgive all our iniquities. Our Father, our King, blot out and remove our transgressions from before your eyes. Our Father, our King, erase in your abounding mercy all the records of our debts, and so forth and so on. And again, I am now going to go to the chanted version of this prayer, but I invite you, as I, as I have throughout this show, I, I'm, what I'm really inviting all of us to do is to lift our hearts in prayer during the show to God, to the God we know, the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the same God as the God of Judaism, although they only know, they don't know his Trinitarian nature and they don't know Jesus the Messiah. But the God of the Old Testament, we know as Christians, is in fact the God of the New Testament also. We know that, of course, because Jesus followed the Old Testament and worshipped the God of the Old Testament, who is, of course, our God. So let us unite our own prayer with this prayer of Yom Kippur for God's mercy to be poured out on the world and for the uh, chastisement which we perhaps rightfully have earned by the sins of the world. I began the show by recounting what the Blessed Virgin Mary said at Fatima about the sins which brought about World War I and World War II and that were so grievous that they brought about those wars and the sin of our societies now leaves those in the dust. So we need that mercy to be poured out. Uh, Our Holy Father Francis has made this a year of divine mercy. Perhaps that's the reason. So as I turn to this prayer and close out the show with the Avinu Malkenu, um, I invite you to pray that we may be spared any just chastisement which we might have earned by our sins. So with that, let's turn to the Avino Malkano. With that, I'll close out the show. So I will say goodbye now. This is Roy Shoman signing off. Radio Maria, Jesus the Promised Messiah of Judaism. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen again next week. And now, the Avino Malkano. <laughs>